Newburgh School this weekend. And uh, yeah, you can give her a round of applause. And so uh, I assume job well done. You graduated, you made it. And uh, she has quite a few visitors with her. Um, their pastor from Maine has come down, and they have family in town. And so we welcome you. We thank you for coming. We have other guests here with us as well, and we're thankful, and we're so especially appreciative that you're here with us. We're going to dismiss the um, junior church children to their uh, different classrooms. You guys can make your way back there. I do want to remind everyone about tomorrow, even though David did already. Um, we are having a barbecue all day. And so um, we will start setting up things about 10:15. If you want to come, we gotta. We already brought the picnic tables on over. We gotta just wash them down and set it up and set the grill up and things like that. It won't take 45 minutes, I don't assume, unless ladies are decorating things. But um, but come then. But if you want to come at 11, you can. You want to come at 12:30, you can. You want to come at 2:30, you can. Whatever uh, and whenever you want, and bring whomever you'd like. If you see a random person on the street and they look bored, bring them on down. Um, basically the whole field will be occupied with different games. We'll have volleyball and maybe softball and wiffle ball and other lawn games like can jam and spike ball. We have a lot of things that will be there and we'll have a lot of food. With that being said, bring food too. If you're a member of our church, now if you're a visitor and a guest, you just come. Don't you feel bad about just coming. And if you can't afford, you didn't have time to get something, just come. Even if you are a member, it's okay. We're not checking you at the door. Make sure you brought something. But we just want to make sure we have enough food for all of our guests. And so if you can bring some for you and a few other people, whether it be hot dogs and hamburgers or steak and chicken, or maybe uh, you want to do something more fancy, I don't know, but, uh, and a side dish and dessert. That will be uh, plenty, I think, if all the members bring that. And again, I do want to emphasize, invite a lot of people. I've invited... Trust me, when I say I've invited a ton of people um, to come, there'll be a lot of teenagers. Some of the teenagers will probably stay later than the adults will, and we'll have a fire pit at, in the evening. And so uh, teenagers feel free to just staying and hang out too, and adults can as well, but um, teenagers especially. Um, I invited um, some my baseball team, uh, one of the assistant coaches, and his family's coming. So uh, really just invite people. So that's that. That's tomorrow. It looks like good weather. We're thankful for God um, either way, but I'm really, really hoping that it'll be nice weather tomorrow. Also, um, we'll probably have the hose and sprinkler going for the little kids because it does look hot. And so uh, young ones, if you want to um, have bathing suits or parents, if you want to bring bathing suits for your little ones, um, I'll have the sprinkler set up at least by my house and they can run in and, uh, you know, get wet or whatever the case may be for that. All right, enough of that. Um, if you have your Bible, Hebrews chapter 11 today. We, were, we will seek to finish Hebrews chapter 11 um, in this series this morning. And let's once again open up in a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for your goodness already today, Lord. Thank you for the singing we can sing and the songs, Lord, that were uh, very well written to be able to praise you, to be able to lift up your name, for us to start thinking about that, Lord, to think, start thinking about your grace and who you are and Father, where we are as you use us, and Father, we know that all is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One come down. And so, Father, once again, as we do every week, we ask that your Spirit's presence would be here in our midst. We pray, Lord, that your name would be glorified, and we know that in our flesh dwelleth no good thing, and so in our own ability, in our own strength, we can do nothing to honor or glorify you. But Father, through faith and through the Spirit of God's leading, Father, we can bring praise to your name. We thank you for the psalm of praise that was read. And Father, we just seek to glorify your name. We seek for you to speak to us. We seek that our hearts would be open to receive the word of God. And Lord, again, we now ask and we, we beg you, Lord, to do what only you can do. That we'd all be out of the way, Father, that you'd be in the way, Father, your power, your presence. And Father, let us hear from you. And may you be thankful and glorified and pleased by all that's done here. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11, and we've been in this for quite a few weeks, and we're trying to give examples of what faith looks like lived out in everyday life. We know the terms, right? The just shall uh, live by faith or uh, shall walk by faith. We know um, that we talk about the Christian walk and the faith of the Christian walk, and faith can move mountains. But what does that look like? What we're going to see, we're going to kind of use the speed of the writer of Hebrews here. He spent a long time on Moses, spent a long time on Abraham, spent a long time on a few others, and we spent a week on each one of those. 
Now he says this, if you cast your eyes down in verse 32. Now I know we spent a whole uh, last week on Gideon, and that was on purpose, but look what he says again. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, of Jephthah, of David, also in Samuel, and of the prophets. He kind of says, we could be here forever talking about this. And so we're going to kind of conglomerate them together to use them to look through all of this um, at their speed. I want you to notice a few things about these men that we're going to look at today. We have Gideon, we have Barak, we have Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and then we have this list of what faith looks like and what faith does and what faith allows us to face. Now again, I want to remind you of one of our themes or one of the statements that we've said over and over the last few weeks, that if it were easy, it wouldn't be a faith. Faith is often very difficult. Faith puts us at a place where we are choosing our way or God's way, where we're choosing what is right versus maybe what is easy or what is more comforting or what seems more safe. And so faith often puts us at what we know God's Word says or what God wants us to do versus everything else out there that vies for our attention to go its way. What I do want you to see here, um, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, all of them have some major flaws with them, as well as some of the men that we and women that we've looked at already. And I want to emphasize that because sometimes the devil, who is the accuser of the brethren, will constantly remind us that because of our sin, because of our past, because of our failures, even in the present, that God cannot use us, will never use us, or will never use us again. Something of that nature. Now, real quickly, just to make mention of it, we know... Barak, okay? So Barak um, was of the time of the judges. And again, I'm going to go really quick. At that time, God did something very different than anybody in that time would have expected God to do. And I hope you see the pattern that God often does things different than what we would expect Him to do. And He often goes against the grain in things of human thinking and human logic. At that particular time, Remember, it's ancient of ancient days. Um, it's a time when uh, women had little to no rights within society. And God chose for his nation the judge to be a woman named Deborah. And under the calling of Deborah, God uh, used her to call Barak to go out into battle. And then, in an act of lacking faith, he says, I will go to battle, but only if you go with me. But if you won't go with me, I don't want to go. And remember this, God's chosen him to be mentioned in the Bible. And so she says, okay, I'll go. Make a long story short, they're going to go, they're going to go fight and battle an enemy nation that, that God allowed to come and persecute them. And then <clears throat> as they go to battle, God sends a rainstorm to come to set forth mud that catches all of their chariots. Now chariots back in those days were like tanks. They were like swift and quick to battle. And God used the storm to stop it. Well, all that we need to realize about this story is even in his lack of faith, God still came through. He did go, but he was hesitant. I wonder how many times God may call us to do something and we begin to give stipulations. Well, I will if this. I will if that. Well, God, show me again like the fleece of Gideon. God, show, how do, how do I know? I don't want to fail. I don't want to mess up. I'm scared. What can I know? In our walk of faith, there's going to be times of fear. There's going to be times where we're really second-guessing, where we're really doubting, where we really want something to comfort us along the way. And God, in His infinite mercy, often will allow that comfort sometimes and will still show up even when our faith isn't 100% all that it could have been. What God wanted was for Him to show up. Who did all the work? God did. They showed up to battle, and God did the impossible through weather. Isn't that amazing? Barak showed up, and then is mentioned in the Scriptures, in the New Testament, as a hero of faith, simply, he doubted, was scared, and then showed up, and God did all the work, and then God says, wasn't his faith something? 
And we got to be looking like Twilight Zone and being like, was it though? What you're going to see in this chapter, in this couple verses in particular, is that God's always the one doing the work. You know what man does? Shows up. In our humanistic thinking at times, we want credit, we want to accomplish, we want everyone to know, look what I've done. Well, do you know what you realize here? They just showed up. But they showed up where God told them to show up. They didn't show up on the scene, here I am. They just showed up. And, and oftentimes we want to say, hey, didn't God and I do something good? Did you see what we were able to accomplish? And the reality is, no. We're here and God shows up. God is moving in our church. In our churches, right? But we're going to start calling it church. Do you know what we did? Showed up. And God showed up. And guess whose presence was more powerful? God's. When you show up and just be where God wants you to be, and God shows up, all of a sudden, things become boom. New Village tells me that it's been quite a few years since somebody joined the church. And guess what? You're getting two in two weeks. That's God showing up, bringing people into the church. Last couple weeks, people were at the altar praying, people crying, God showing up. What did we do? We just showed up. You know what I do as a preacher? I just show up. I don't have some... Uh, amazing sermons or some secret place where I get no I just God show me I'll show up and you speak through the word of God which is perfect we show up God shows up I, I love even David and I were talking about this verse on in the at 3 30 in the morning you know what David does it's 3 30 in the morning I'm like I'm playing like I'm just sitting there kind of like I'm playing chess online at 3 30 in the morning trying to stay awake and then David comes and he sits next to me and then he he drops like these super deep theological questions. And he's like, what, what are your thoughts on this? I've got a question for you, a theological one. And he drops it, and my mind's like. And then, and then I got like the, okay, and we're able to discuss it. But one of the verses that came into discussion were in James, when the Bible says, draw nigh unto God, he will draw nigh unto you. Now we know that God's always the one drawing. But he does give us this responsibility. Hey, take a step closer to God. And as we take a step closer to God, he takes multiple steps closer, if you will, for visualization purposes. But I love the, the concept here where, where Barak was afraid. And, and he says, hey, Deborah, female, leader, unheard of in ancient days, can you go with me? If you'll go, I'll go. And she did. And all that was needed, though, was what? God. And he's not rebuked here. He's applauded, saying, we could speak forever on him. Well, let's move on to the next one. <clears throat> it says, and of Samson. Now, if you know the story of Samson, you and I got to be thinking, you got to be kidding me, he's in this? We know Samson, uh, who, who took this Nazaritic vow, and because of the vow and the long hair, God gave him this superior strength. And he's doing amazing things. And, and I can't judge the motive. I cannot judge the motive. But it might be argued that sometimes it looks like he's doing things in his own will. I mean, he just starts wiping people out. He starts destroying things. And it, it almost like he, the strength went to his head. And, and, and if I could say this as a side note, make sure that the giftings and the talents that God entrusts to us never go to our head where we start taking credit for it. Never. Now that's not the point here, because again, Samson's not rebuked here. But I do want to say that as a point of application. Never allow the gifts or talents that God allows us to have and trusts us with to go to our head in a way by which we begin taking credit, look what I've done. Any which way, we know Samson has a problem with women, right? And Samson... And Delilah, one of the tragedies of the Bible, we're not going to unveil, uh, you know, unveil all of it or, or, uh, or you know, take it all out of the envelope, but there is Samson, and she, she tricks him 
I mean, in an obvious way, multiple times, like, duh, come on, don't you see it? And he still fails. <clears throat> she cuts his hair, has his hair cut off. And he loses all of his strength. And then is captured by the Philistines. Eyes gouged out, nothing. And you're thinking, man, what a tragedy. But yet, when God says, let me give you a list of people whose faith I want you to take notice of, Samson's mentioned. Utter failure in many aspects of his life. And this one was after God entrusted him with giftings and strength and callings. That his failure did not come before. This is not one of those testimonies where we look all the way back and so years ago I was like that, but now I'm like this. No, this was after all of the things that God had entrusted him with. He failed. And now he's captured by the enemy. And in one last prayer, he says, God, if you would give me strength. One last time. And God, in his mercy and grace, gives strength one last time. And he's able to push the pillars down and drop the entire building upon himself but also while killing all of the Philistines that were there. He did more in his last act of faith than he had his entire life. And God says, did you see Samson? Again, we could be reminded of a few truths. Number one, our failures don't stop God from still working. And our failures, even in our present or in our past, don't necessarily dictate the end of the story. And what once maybe looked like a tragedy can still end up as a heroic triumph of God's work. We can also see how faith, not the hair, but faith was able to give this strength and victory wrought. Jephthah, and again, I know we're going fast, Jephthah was the son of a harlot. And as the son of a harlot, he was pushed away by his family and saying, you're the son of a strange woman, you'll never have an inheritance, go away. <clears throat> but he was a mighty man of valor, and in times when people needed him, they came to him and said, we need your help. And he was like, hey, you pushed me away, why would you need my help? God began to call him. God began to use him as this warrior, as this general of types. And then what, would he, what do we know of Jephthah? He's, he makes this really weird vow. He says, God, if you will, without fail, give me a victory, then the next thing that walks through that gate, I will offer as a burnt sacrifice to you. God gives a victory. And here comes his lovely only daughter. Now, we can argue whether or not he then did follow through with a burnt offering or whether he then gave her over to full-time sacrifice of the Lord in service and in keeping her um, purity and, and for the rest of her life not being married or having children. We can argue about that. But I would say it would speak and lean to, would God really be so complimentary of someone sacrificing their child unto death? Also, if you just want to put it out there, and again, you have a different viewpoint, that's fine. I'll get back to the faith thing in a second. Remember, sacrifices unto the Lord always had to be male sacrifices. She's certainly not, and it was his only child. But the point is here, Jephthah, a man born in awkward family situation, called of God, empowered by God, trusting God. God, I know you give the victory. I'm not trusting in myself. I'm not trusting in my ways. I'm trusting in you. And God gave the victory, and he offered this vow. And whatever the end result of that vow was, he kept it. He kept that vow, and God honored and said, man, there's a man of faith. And again, <clears throat> Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah are all in the apostate dark times of the judges. A time when Israel kept falling away from God, kept going after foreign gods, 
kept stopping to follow Jehovah God and God using these men. You see here, these four in particular, judges, were used of God when they normally wouldn't have been candidates of use. They weren't looked at and say, ha, there's someone that's, that is of amazing talent. These were people that God selected, that God gave strength, and God gave this great victory. Now we transition, and it's out of order, and it doesn't matter. <clears throat> then it says, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets. David is another one that you and I may look at and say, how in the world does he make the hall of faith? We have the whole debacle with David and Bathsheba, and the killing of her husband Uriah to cover up his sin. We have the fact that he had multiple wives, like many of these other did, Gideon included. We have the fact that he, did some, he made some poor fatherly choices with, uh, with Absalom and Amnon and Tamar and all of that. We have the fact that he numbered the people of Israel and caused the death of 70,000 um, through, through God's judgment. We have all of those things. <clears throat> Yet we do know that Bible says that David is a man after mine own heart. And we do know that even in the end of his life, when David basically, when Absalom takes over the kingdom and David basically walks away and says, yes, I deserve this, that God's like, wait a second, I didn't call you away. Get back in there, you're still the king for God's people. We still have the fact that with Solomon, God said, because of David, for David's sake, and the covenant that I made with David, and the covenant that God made with David was because God made it, not because David was, was, was worth it or David was... Um, earned it but it was God what we see David could be a good testament of is never giving up even when you fail you keep on keeping on we have the fact that he was the youngest of Jesse's family we have the fact that he stepped out on faith with David and Goliath that story there and fought against Goliath knowing that that how dare you defy the armies of the living God we have the fact that again even when he failed even when he messed up even when he lacked faith He kept on keeping on. He kept on keeping on. Even when multiple times that Saul threatened his life or ordered his death, David kept on keeping on. And I know I'm just throwing all those out there because again, we're just kind of broad stroking it and going fast. But we're seeing this, that faith did not allow David to give up. I say this all the time. If you truly are a believer of God and you say, I'm done, I'm giving up, where are you going to go? You may be on the face. You may be, that's it, I'm done. <clears throat> I can't serve anymore. You might feel like that. But you, ha- you know you have the words of eternal life. You know that God is in you. If you're saved, you know that you're a believer and the Spirit of God is in you. Where could you go to escape that? You can't. You can try to outrun God. You'll never outrun God. You'll never outrun His presence and you'll never outsin His grace. And David is a great reminder of that. We have Samuel. Samuel, whose sons were were not good judges. And the nation of Israel came to to Samuel and said, we don't want you as a leader anymore. We want a king. Give us a king. We might be like all the other people. And and Samuel started getting upset. Wait, this is not fair. Why do they want a king? And God reminded them, Samuel, they're not rejecting you and your leadership. They're rejecting me and my leadership over them. Warn them what a king will do. And then if they persist, give them one anyway. And he said, a king will take the first of all your food and fruits and he'll take the best of your men and the best of your daughters and use them for his service. You don't want a king, trust me. And they said, nevertheless, we want a king. And God said, okay, fine, have a king. And that king wound up being Saul and that wound up being a big mess. But there was Samuel from the time he was a child given over by Hannah because he was an answer to prayer raised in a corrupted priest and his son's presence. And yet Samuel kept on keeping on, trusting God, trusting God, even when they put Saul into kingship, that there were times that Samuel had to come and rebuke him. And said, why do I hear the bleeding of of, of sheep? And he says, obedience is better than sacrifice. And disobedience is a sin of witchcraft. Samuel's another testament of of just keep on keeping on even when things aren't going right, even when things aren't what they should be or what you'd want them to be. Then it gives the prophets, end of the prophets, end of everybody else that you've read about that 
stood for faith, that stuck their neck out, even when it was unpopular, even when other people didn't want it, even when their family rejected it, even when things got tough. And so what I want you to see here, and we're going to get to this list of what faith looks like, what faith accomplished, but I want you to see these lists is that any of us could be used of God in great acts of faith. And it's not of our will, like, oh, all of a sudden I'm going to decide to do something. It's God working in our lives. It's us trusting God in the little things that God will now call us to do greater things. And God will put in our heart to do it and call us to put us in that place. And then we show up and what happens? God shows up. And we might have all the excuses in the world. I don't have the talent. I have too much of a, of a checkered past or sinful past. I'm not articulate enough. I can't do this. I don't know what to do. I don't know if my faith is strong enough. All of these things. And God, through these people, answers say, okay, name one of them that's perfect. Name one of them that's sinless. Name one of them that doesn't have a, a checkered past. Name one of them that is super talented that they went on their own. Name one of them that was able to do all of these things without them. Without me. And the answer would be none of them. And this is what we're reminded when Paul says, if God be for us, who could be against us? We're reminded that God is not looking for the talented. And He's not looking for the perfect. And He's not looking for all of these human qualities. He's looking for people just to show up. So He can show up and use us as instruments and trophies of His grace and of His faith. What then translates that to, who here can't God use if you're a born-again believer and you want to show up in faith, God, here I am, send me. We have missions dying down. We have churches shutting doors. We have um, preaching watering down. Christianity in America and in the world is severely weakened. But it's not because our God is weakened. But I would dare say perhaps it's because people aren't showing up to God and saying, God, here I am. Or aren't hearing the calling of God. Or aren't thinking that God can use them. Now again, when God wants to use you, it's not for your benefit of reward. It's not for your namesake, but for His. Who here can't be a Samson? Who here can't be a Samuel, a David, a Jephthah, a Gideon, a Rahab, a Moses, an Abraham, a Noah, an Enoch? Who here can't be that if they would just show up to the same God, the same God they served as the same God we serve? Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? So what do we have to do? God, here am I. God, forgive me for my complacency. Forgive me for my apathy. Forgive me for watering it down. Forgive me for my selfishness. Forgive me in my distractions. Lord, I want to be used of You, so call me to do something for Your glory. And just see what God can do. Now look at what faith looks like. <clears throat> he goes through the lightning round of things. Who through faith subdued kingdoms. He says, you know what faith can do? It can take down entire kingdoms. We don't even need to go through the list in the Bible of the kingdoms that faith overcame. But he says this, hey listen, faith subdued kingdoms in times when entire kingdoms had to go down. God used people to walk in faith for Him to show up. Wrought righteousness. Obtained promises. Wrought righteousness. Abraham got right. Uh, 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 obtain righteousness because he believed God. The Bible says Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Just believed. Then it says obtain promises. We got the idea that God said there's going to be a promised land. And Abraham believed it. And he told his children, in particular Isaac, he believed it. And Isaac told his particular son Jacob, he believed it. One day it was theirs. The Jews today still believe it. It was the promise given. It says, faith stopped the mouths of lions. There are multiple stories where lions' mouths were stopped. We have Samson stopping the mouth of a lion. We have David before Goliath had to fight a lion. 
And we have Daniel, who about 90, 95 years old, was cast into the den of lions. And it seemed to be that maybe the lions became a beanbag for him to sleep on throughout the night as their mouths were shut into the morning. Faith was able to look at a lion and through God's strength, overcome it. That gives us spiritual application as well. For you and I face a roaring lion seeking whom we may devour. We face a devil that seeks to destroy, seeks to ruin, seeks to accuse, seeks to thwart all that God is doing, and we are told that through faith, mouths of lions can be stopped, and that includes Satan. The Bible says this in James. Um, he says, submit yourself therefore to the Lord, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That through faith and trusting in what God says, we can overcome any sin. God through us. We can have victory. We can have strength. We can have forgiveness for when we fail. So even the mouths of lions, I'm, I dare say if a lion walked in this room right now, we'd all be running and scattering. We'd find out who really, who really loves who, who's stepping on who to get out of here, who's jumping behind whose back. I mean, we'd find out real quick. And yet the Bible says that even in faith, the mouths of lions and ferocious beasts were stopped. Who wouldn't want to live by faith? Verse 34, to quench the, the violence of fire like the three boys in the furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Quench the, fi the violence of fire. Escape the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. Wax valiant in fight. Turn to flight the armies of, alien, of al the aliens or the foreigners. We find these victories that faith wrought, these victories that faith brings, that at the edge of death, they looked into it and with faith were able to keep on, keep it on. And that doesn't mean that God never allowed anyone to die. It doesn't mean that they didn't ever suffer defeat. But it meant that even in the face of defeat, even in the face of pain, faith kept on keeping on. Onward, Christian soldier. Marching as to war. And then even when things look grim, it doesn't mean they will end that way. That there are times that through faith, God will allow us to look at the precipice of what we view to be death. And God say, not yet. The Bible goes on to continue. Women receive their dead raised to life again. We've read through these stories as we're preaching through the Old Testament on Sunday night. We've read through the stories of, of widows' sons being brought back to a, a life. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. He says sometimes God doesn't deliver but allows the torture unto death. And others had trials of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonments. We know that many of the New Testament saints faced imprisonment and beatings and even death. We know that our Lord faced scourging, the cat of nine tails being whipped around and, and his skin being torn to shreds before the crucifixion. They were stoned like Stephen. They were sawn, sawn asunder, cut in half. They were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. He says that sometimes his followers faced real suffering and real cruel treatment from this world. But you know what faith did? It didn't allow them to give up. We have not faced true persecution in this country in any recent days. There's some like mockings and maybe there's some that may have lost their life, but as a nation, we've not yet faced it. We might. And it would be well served for us to even ask that question. What would we do in the face of death in the area of faith? How would our faith hold up Death, if we were looking at death, if we were looking at torture, if we were looking at pain. You read through Fox's Book of Martyrs and you find people who were told, renounce the faith and live. Keep holding on to it and we'll rip your heart out or burn you at the stake or cut your tongue. And there's all these reports of these believers who being burned at the stake are singing great songs of faith. Songs of joy. Which I don't think was a an act of resilience of the will. I believe it was supernatural 
peace given by faith. Look at what verse 38 says. Of whom the world was not worthy. That's God's commentary. He said, some of my people suffered greatly for my name, for faith. The world's not worthy of people like that. The world who needs it. Why why do people walk in faith? What is one of the reasons that we do so? Well, we do so to honor the Lord and because it's right and to praise His name. But in many ways, we do that so we can carry the gospel to a lost and dying world. Jesus Christ came to preach and to seek and to save that which was lost, and the response was to ridicule, mock, reject, and kill him. And still he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. There have been many missionaries throughout history who have died <clears throat> to get the gospel to the lost and dying world. You will face, as a Christian, mockings, ridicule, eye rolls, even maybe people spitting on you or hitting you, to get them a message that they need, that they don't even recognize that they need. But my question is this, are you willing to go the distance? Are you willing to keep on keeping on to get this world that might hate you the message? Or the minute that it gets a little uncomfortable, are you ready to pack it in? Because what God is showing us in this passage is these great men and women of faith who put their life on the line. And and we're not even saying we're going to have to put our life on the line. Put your comfort on the line. Put your reputation on the line. Put your your, feeling of, of good vibes from everybody on the line. That you might get them the message that they so desperately need. Of whom the world is not worthy. See, if we're not going to be faithful to just even share the gospel because it's uncomfortable, do you really expect God to use us to do great and mighty things that will change the history of the world? You say, I'm waiting for the day that God calls me to do something great. Hey, God's already called you to do something now. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He just said, keep on keeping on. Follow me, I will make you fishers of men. He said, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Faith, because they followed it, didn't always lead for comfort. They wandered in deserts. They wandered in mountains. They lived in caves. They did have no home. David, I mean, David's a great example of this too. David was called to be king when he's a boy. But the problem was there was another king in the way. And it could have been easily thought David would just be waiting and say, okay, God, get rid of this guy and I'm ready to take over. And then at the time when David's about 20 years old, the king tries to kill him. And for the next 10 years, David is in the wilderness and in caves and in the mountains hiding. And he still didn't give up. It might have been thought, why doesn't he just give up? Like, God, get rid of this guy already. Why do you let him even threaten me like this? But David didn't pray that. David said, I dare not touch the Lord's anointed. He just kept on waiting for the promise of God, kept on waiting for God's timing, kept on keeping on, even though his daily life from 20 to 30 was of most uncomfort. Because not only where he lived, but because while he's living there, someone's trying to kill him every day. Matter of fact, the entire nation of Israel and its armies is trying to kill him for 10 years. It could really easy be like, I'm done with this. But faith kept on keeping on shame on us when we say gets along comfortable i'm out of here no we keep on keeping on it's not always going to be comfort uh, don't listen to the tv preacher who tells you if you follow god promotion's coming tomorrow maybe it is maybe it's not and probably a good chance it might not faith makes us walk through the thickness of difficulties 
but knowing that God is there and God is leading and God is empowering. And that's the message. That's the message of a believer following God. It's not always going to be easy and smooth sailing. Sometimes there's going to be storms that shatter us. Sometimes our hearts are going to be ripped from us. Sometimes there will be no comfort that surrounds us where David cried out, no man cared for my soul. But we keep on. Because God's there. and Because we know that if God's in it, He's got something He will use and accomplish through this difficulty. On some of the most slightest levels, let me give you an example. I've had to talk through some of the most tragic things anyone could go through. I've been through some things that I wish no one would ever have gone through. And you have as well. And in those times, it's really easy to say, where is a loving God in all this? But if you allow faith to lead you, then you'll trust that God will use this for His good, I mean, for your good and for His glory, that He will use all things, right? For His glory, for His way. And then what I've seen is, Years down the road, somebody has gone through some of the worst things. God is able to use as an instrument of grace to somebody else in their hard time. And teaches them lessons that they could not have learned anywhere else but in the fire. My challenge is you keep on keeping on even when it's difficult. Even when it's hard. Even when you want to give up. Look at what it says. And, all, and these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. He says, you know what? A lot of these people that we all read about are Old Testament people. They were looking forward to the promise, Messiah, promise coming, promise coming, promise coming. They stayed faithful knowing that God said it, I believe it, that settles it. We have a preferred position that we look back to what we know has happened. And we look back to the already accomplished death on the cross. And we look forward to His coming. And we look forward to our heavenly dwelling through the promises that were in the Word of God. He said, these, these guys, they just believe God. My challenge to you is believe God. Believe His Word. Every single word of Scripture is true. Every single one. These are not myths. These are not fairy tales. These are not fables. They are all historical happenings. Believe it. Trust it. These were given for our example. Verse 40, God having provided something better for us that they without us should not be made perfect. Look at chapter 12, verse 1. We're just about done now. Wherefore, seeing we all also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest ye be made be wearied and faint in your minds. He says, because of these witnesses that surround us like a cloud, let them inspire us that we would say, man, I am moving forward. The, um, I, am, I am running this race. And I'm going to lay aside every distraction and every weight and every sin that gets me. I'm going to run with patience, looking unto Jesus. He's the author and He's the finisher of my faith. And He endured the cross for me and the contradictions of sinners for me. And my faith is fixed on Him. My faith has found a resting place. Not in device nor deed. I trust the ever-living One. And I run after Him. And so, I want you to see as we close up, Faith 
was able to use, or God was able to use even the most wicked of people who failed as champions of faith and champions of grace. Don't give up, no matter how hard it is. And then the last concept is you just keep running. What's tomorrow hold? I have no idea, but God does. And I want you to get excited. I want you to get inspired by the Word of God. And I want you to say, God, I don't know what is coming, but I'm here for the long haul. And I want you to use me. And I want you to to send me. And I want you to just get a hold of my life. And you know it's not going to be easy. He said, Jesus is the author and finisher of my faith. And I want to be like him. And I want to run like him. And I want to lay aside these weights. What is it that's distracting you? What sins are besetting you? The sin that constantly gets you. Put those aside. God, give me victory over them. God, put aside the distractions that I may run the race without weight. That I may run it with patience. That I may walk this life with you. Lord, show me where I fail. Show me where I'm weak. I want to be used wholly of you. That's the decision I want you to make today. So we finish our series on faith. And again, there's an endless amount of applications, an endless amount, as God points them out in your personal life. But I will tell you this, you have nowhere else to go. You just keep on keeping on for the Lord. No matter what you, your past is, you keep on keeping on. And let's see what God can do. Let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes. With everyone's head bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around, I want to ask basically two questions. If you died today, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? I want you to think about that for a second. Do you know for sure you're going to heaven when you die? If you're here, if you're here and you say, Pastor Jason, I'm not sure I'm going to heaven when I die, please pray for me. Would you quietly raise your hand? I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. Please pray for me. Would you quietly raise your hand right now? I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out. Just want to pray for you. Is there anyone like that here today? God bless you. I see your hand. Anybody else? I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. Here's a second question. Has God spoken to your heart in this area of faith that you want to be used of God in this way? And you're making this decision. God, my prayer is that you would use me to your glory and I'm willing to show up that you would show up even when it's difficult. If God's spoken to your heart concerning that, that's me today. God has spoken to my heart today and I want to run this race with patience. I'm going to follow the Lord and I want Him to use me. Would you raise your hand that I might pray for you along those lines? Okay, I see many hands. Good, many hands. Let's stand to our feet. Head bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. If God has spoken to your heart about something, I don't care what it is, maybe it's something totally different, and you want to come pray about it, you can. You want to make a decision, God, here am I, send me. God, here is my life, use it however you want. God, I'm sorry for failing you. Whatever it is, you want to come as the piano plays, why don't you use this front just as a time of personal prayer between you and the Lord. I wonder where are the next generation of missionaries who will say, yes, I will give up American comfort to live in the jungles of South America that I might reach those who've never heard before. <clears throat> or some that might say, you know what? It's not always easy serving God even in America, but I will be a witness. Or maybe somebody who faces some kind of family tragedy and says, I'm done. And God reminds them, no, no, I know it's hard, but just keep on keeping on. Maybe there's some in here today that just say, I'm just too much of a wreck and a failure. God will never use me. Hey, hey, don't write the end of the story on for God. Don't you write the end. God knows. Let God work. Memorial Day weekend, we think back to the freedoms that we enjoy as Americans because of those that 
lost their life for our freedom. Many of these that we read about today lost their life for faith, for God, and for the freedom to be able to have the Word of God and preach the Word of God and live the Word of God. It's a very timely passage that, again, had no prior orchestration on my part. But we thank, we're so thankful for the freedoms we enjoy that were paid through the death of soldiers and the sacrifice they made. And sometimes faith will force us to face great sacrifice. But God is worth it. And I speak in, in a contemporary language of you now, a contemporary time now. Where are our Gideons now? Where are Jephthahs now? Where are our Samsons and Davids now? Who are the champions of faith that the next generation will look back on and say, those people? I think back to, uh, in more recent times, like a D.L. Moody or an R.A. Torrey or a Charles Spurgeon. Look back to uh, people of champions of faith in that regard. George Whitfield and Jonathan Edwards even. Wesley's. People that we look back and say, man, they moved mountains. But who are 2022's mountain movers? Who are the ones that will be faithful for the next generation? Who even in this church here will be the ones that 20 years from now look back and say, they stood. And that's why we're still going. Every step we take is paving history. That's a mindful thing to take consideration. And we want it to be one of faith. And we looked at Hebrews 11 to kind of get an idea of what does faith look like when the boots are on the ground? What does it look like when the rubber meets the road? And sure, we can do a year on it. But we take it in their timing. Father, we thank You, Lord, for showing us these examples. And Father, we're to be reminded that they were not supernatural beings. They were humans who had many failures and many disqualifiers, if you will. But they were used in supernatural ways because You're a supernatural God. And it was You doing the work. And it was You showing up. And it was You setting the storm. And it was You delivering them from death. And sometimes it was You not delivering them from death, that their death may be a testimony. Father, may we be champions of faith for Your glory. Use us as instruments. We don't deserve it. But Father, we desire it. I pray that You'd be with each person here who raised their hand for one reason or another. I pray, Father, that You would call some of the young people, call some of the older people, for your service, whatever it looks like. And Lord, we love you. We pray that you'd bless the food and the refreshments, the fellowship, bless tomorrow, bless tonight. We pray all this now in Jesus' name. Amen.